square. But let me read for you from God's Word, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 19. And then I'll pray for our time in the Word. It says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked to anger with that generation and said, They always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it's still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? With whom was God angry for forty years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Father, thank you for your word. And Spirit, thank you for helping us to understand. Today, may we hear your voice, Spirit. And as we do, we pray that our hearts would soften. And as our hearts soften, we pray that our faith would grow and our actions would be in line with our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this passage uh, in the back half of Hebrews 3 is the second of five passages in the book of Hebrews that are called warning passages. And these warning passages are used by the author uh, to warn his audience about various ways in which we might miss out on Jesus. Uh, The first warning uh, a couple of chapters ago uh, cautioned people about drifting away from Jesus. The second one deals with doubting or with unbelief, not being able to trust in Jesus. And in this passage, the author uses a long quotation from Psalm 95. And this psalm references an account from the the Israelites at a place called Kadesh Barnea. I would encourage you this week to go read the story for yourself in, in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. But the story goes something like this. God saved the Israelites from oppression and slavery by delivering them from Egypt under the leadership of Moses. You likely have some familiarity with that story. He brings them out in the wilderness. He parts the Red Sea before using the Red Sea to swallow up their Egyptian oppressors. He then miraculously provides manna for them to eat. He establishes the priesthood, and he promises to deliver them to the land of Canaan, a a land that was described as flowing with milk and honey, the promised land, a very prosperous place in the middle of the desert. And when they begin to near this place, God told Moses to send scouts to check out Canaan. Uh, He sent these scouts, and they reconvened at Kadesh, and the reports were conflicting. All the spies did agree that the land was prosperous, but only two of them requested that they should move forward with taking possession of it. The others were afraid. The others felt like it was a task that was too large. And when those reports came through, Scripture says in Numbers 14 that the whole community broke into loud cries 
And the people wept that night. It's interesting. They didn't believe that the God who had delivered them from their bondage could deliver them to his promised blessing. And then, in that moment where they're weeping through the night, they made a comment that revealed the content of their heart. And they said, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we died in the wilderness. In this moment, it seemed better to them to die than to pursue the Lord and go with him to a thing that he had already promised. Despite the fact that God had delivered them from their bondage, they no longer trusted him to deliver on his promised blessing. Why? Their hearts had hardened. And we say, how? When God had done so many amazing things to this point in their journey and in their story, how could their hearts have hardened? But their story was a reminder to the people of Israel for generations, and it continues to be a reminder to us that we are all vulnerable to hard hearts. It's the reason that this passage in Hebrews 3 is necessary. We still are vulnerable to hard hearts. One writer I read this week wrote, the heart of every problem is a problem in the heart. And Hebrews 3 warns us not to allow our hearts to become hard. But how does that happen in the first place? How do our hearts become hard? I mean, rarely, if ever, does somebody set out to say, like, with the intention of having a hard heart. I mean, we don't think on our wedding day that there might be a time where our heart for our spouse is cold and hard. And yet, there are some of those moments. Many times, the bully at school or any other place is mean, not because he wants to be mean, not because he set out to be mean, but because he feels he needs to in order to protect himself. There's a phrase that I like to use, hurt people hurt people. And hurt hardens our heart. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine that the innocence of our childhood could fade into not trusting someone. Not trusting them because of their political affiliation or their past experiences or because of the color of their skin. And yet, that too often is our reality. So if hard hearts were never the dream, how is it that they became a reality? The prophet Jeremiah wrote about hearts becoming hard when we're unwilling to listen to the Lord. Uh, Jeremiah eighteen twelve says this, but they will say, it's hopeless. We'll continue to follow our plans and each of us will continue to act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. When we begin to trust and listen to ourselves more than we trust and listen to the Lord, our hearts become hard. Hard hearts happen when we continue to follow our own plans. Hard hearts happen when we pride ourselves on, on being stubborn or set in our ways. Hard hearts happen when we're unwilling to change or even admit that we need to change. Hard hearts happen when we're more interested in protecting ourselves than in loving our neighbor. Hard hearts happen when we believe that following God is a hopeless pursuit. Before we know it, the words that Jesus quoted from the book of Isaiah are true of us. He said, For this people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they've shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn back, and I would heal them. What's worse is that hard hearts 
have the hardest time realizing their steely state. Once our hearts are hard, it's very difficult to, to undo that, to, to see our hearts soften. Curtis Woods spoke these words last Sunday in a sermon that he preached in Elizabethtown. With everything that's going on, it's difficult sometimes to know where our heart really is. It's difficult even at times to recognize that our hearts may be hardened as we try and process what's happening. But he said this, the gospel says that I am worse that you are worse than the police officer before a holy God. The gospel says that we are worse than all those looters combined before a holy God. The gospel says that you and I deserve hell. When I heard that, and maybe when you hear that, your flesh immediately cries out, no, that's not me. That doesn't make sense. That's crazy. That can't be true. And yet before a holy God, any sin, which is the source of all hardness in our hearts, that sin has disqualified us. More than that, it's separated us from. More than that, it's, it's condemned us to eternal suffering. We are worse because of our sin. And Hebrews 3 reminds us that that sin has caused our hearts to be hard. And those hard hearts, as we read, keep us from victories God has already given to us. Those hard hearts keep us from entering into God's rest, something we'll talk about more next week. You know, despite the fact that we have seen God deliver us from the bondage of many kinds, we often fail to trust that God will deliver on the blessings that he's promised to us, the blessings of a new life in him, the blessings of walking in the freedom of knowing Christ. Our hearts are too hardened. They're hardened by sin. They're hardened by years of being schooled in the ways of man. They're hardened by years of wisdom from the world. They're hardened by the hurt that we have experienced in this world. And that hurt is the effects of rampant sin that, that is held in Satan's hand as a tool against us. We are all vulnerable to hard hearts, but this passage begins to beg the question, are we listening? It says today, if you hear his voice, are you listening? Then it says, for, for who heard? And the question is, are you listening? Wasn't it all? Are, are you listening? Wasn't it with those who sinned? Are you listening? We are all vulnerable to hard hearts. But God uses both anger and affection to soften our hard hearts. It's all over this passage, and it's, it's all across our community and nation this week. God uses both anger and affection to soften our hard hearts. Uh, on one hand, right, in this passage, we see the repeated phrase, Today, if you hear his voice, and that's the, the affectionate and subtle reminder that, that God is constantly calling you away from sin that hardens your heart, and he's calling you to trust him more, to, to be in this loving relationship with him, to keep your heart soft towards the living God who, who breathes life into each and every human being. But on the other hand, the warning that for those whose hearts are hard, they will not enter my rest a result of God's righteous anger. 
Verse 19 tells us what happened at the end of the story. It says, so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. The Israelites' hard hearts kept an entire generation from entering into uh, the, the promised land. Instead of resting in, in God's blessing, they spent the next 40 years trudging through the desert. Even that moment back in Kadesh Barnea, however, was marked by both God's anger and his affection. Moses says this to God about God in Numbers chapter 14, verses 17 through 18. He says, So now, may my Lord's power be magnified just as you have spoken. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in faithful love, forgiving iniquity and rebellion. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children to the third and fourth generation. Church, God's affection for his people cannot be denied, but neither can God's anger. And rather than figuring out which one of those sides we like better, we should simply believe that, that those are both things used by God to soften our hearts so that we might believe and trust in him more. If not for God's righteous anger towards sin, there would have been no reason to send his one and only son. God's wrath had to be satisfied, and Jesus is the only one strong enough to endure its full force and live. But God's affection, his, his love for you and I, it used the incredibly unjust act of crucifixion on a cross to save us from our sins and to make a way for us to be with him forever. If not for God's anger, we don't understand the magnitude of, the, of this act. If not for his affection, it, it merely scares us away. God uses both anger and affection to soften our hard hearts. You know, I marvel at how God is softening hearts right now. He's using both anger and affection to soften hearts, and, and that's really good news, not just for you and I, but for uh, this world at large. Some have wondered if God was judging us through the coronavirus. I don't know the answer to that, don't pretend to, but I know that if he was, it has served to, to soften many hearts to consider submitting their life to the living God. Our partner in Central Asia utilizes uh, Google search words to share the good news with those in their region who are searching for hope in Jesus. Uh, they take advantage of a medium that, that can't be touched in a closed country. This season, he's reported visitors to that site that are higher than ever before. The fear that has come from what's happening with this virus is pushing people to search for hope in Christ. And that's good news. The Lord is drawing people to himself because of a sense that God might be passing judgment out of righteous anger. At the same time, I'm watching as many are coming through COVID with, with newfound gratitude for God's provision and the simple beauties of life. You realize how much he's really given to you. And God's affection is softening people's hearts to ask how they can trust him with more of themselves. And now, we see the hearts of Americans, and we see how they've been hardened by the sin of racism since before its inception. Softening our hearts to, to love people created in God's image is a continual journey. Understanding racism as a sin 
rightly implies that simply labeling ourselves as, as non-racist or a lover of all people is not enough. You see, I, I could label myself a truth teller, but I still might tell a lie. I can label myself as peaceful, but I, I still might wrongfully get upset. I might label myself as non-racist, but I still might harbor thoughts and attitudes of, of racist nature or make tone-deaf comments. It was Tony Evans who said in the past weeks, racism isn't a bad habit. It isn't a mistake. It's sin. The answer is not sociology. It's theology. And this is important because now we can understand that, that being a racist isn't a label that, that we have to affirm or deny. It's, it's not something that we hang around our wreck. I'm not a neck. I'm not a racist. Rather, it's a sin that we must be consistently repenting from. And you say, well, how will we know when we need to repent of racism and soften our hearts towards God's children that, that don't look like I do? And I remind you, that God uses both anger and affection to soften our hearts. I'm so grateful for black and Hispanic brothers and sisters whose actions, man, they, they just graciously loved me. And they've graciously, likely graciously loved you. As I stumble through racist thoughts and attitudes and actions, it, it softens my heart to think how well they have loved me as I learn to, to repent of things that were in my heart. They are loving me like Jesus would. But I'm also really grateful for the righteous anger of black and Hispanic brothers and sisters whose actions are causing not only me, but, but many, many others to have their hearts softened concerning the sin of racism. Now, don't misconstrue my words. Violence is not good. It is not helpful. But righteous anger spilling out in crises of lament and longings for change are essential to God's plan for restoring his kingdom to his design. We are all vulnerable to hard hearts, and God is using both anger and affection to soften our hard hearts. So what can you do to join God in what he's doing in your life? I want you to look back at verses 12 through 14 of Hebrews chapter 3 with me. It says, watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it's still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. Today, here's what I want to challenge you and challenge me to do. Encourage others to soften their heart by submitting to how God is softening yours. The passage says, watch out, encourage, hold firmly to the reality that God has saved you from your bondage. Those things help you see how God wants to soften your heart. You see, when God softens your heart, your faith in him grows. But James tells us that faith without works is dead. It simply shrivels up and dies. And so when you submit to that softening, allowing your faith to grow and, and, and your faith to, to move you to action, others are encouraged to do the same. I'm fairly certain this is going to end up being my favorite photo that I've seen coming out of some of the, the events here in our area. You've likely seen it if you're on social media of any kind. 
or you watch the news. And it struck me as I began reading our passage this week. I'm going to guess that the black guys in this photo didn't begin their night imagining that they would form a wall around the police officer. That probably wasn't in the plan. And yet, this photo would indicate that they were on watch for evil in their own hearts. In a moment, they, they submitted to a softening in their heart for a police officer in harm's way as he was separated from the squad. Can you imagine the inner turmoil that likely existed with, within their hearts and their minds? This split-second decision that was made to, to submit to how God was softening their hearts, to care for someone right there in their midst that needed it. And their action, their submission to how God was softening their heart encourages me. Now be sure, this doesn't mean blast social media with all your good deeds so that others will do the same. This means seek the Lord and take action when he softens your heart. You can encourage others to soften their hearts by submitting to how God is softening yours. So the question that I want you to wrestle with is how is God softening your heart? And how will you submit to that? What will change? If you're a writer, write. If you're a parent, train your child in the way they should go. If you're a photographer, say a thousand words. If you've neglected relationships, reach out. If you've realized your hardness, listen more closely. Encourage others to soften their heart by submitting to how God is softening yours. Perhaps today, you need to repent. Your hard heart is too heavy a burden to bear. Something here, something there, a song we sang, something Miss Janice said, I don't know, something the Lord has done has caused you to see hardness in your heart. Don't carry the burden of a heavy heart, a hard heart. You need Jesus to not only carry the burden, but to give you a new heart entirely. And that reality is as close as saying to God, I am a hard-hearted sinner in need of your saving grace. I trust my life to your son, Jesus Christ. He is the only way, the only truth, and the giver of new life. Today, if you want to change that hard heart out for a new one, and you're making that decision or you're saying that prayer today online, we want to ask you online to text at New Life CCC to 81010. But for those of you who are here in the room with me, I would invite you, if this is the first time you're making that decision, to join me back by the coffee bar when we sing here in just a couple minutes. And know that if today you feel God softening your heart to, to make that decision to turn from your sin and to turn to Jesus, man, submitting to how God is softening your heart in this moment is going to encourage others to let God work in their life as well. Say, Blake, why do all this? Why step out? Why take a chance? Why not just keep my head down? When we submit to how God is softening our hearts, when we begin to step out on faith and allow our faith to grow, 
I believe there's this beautiful thing that happens because our heart is becoming soft, but the Lord is growing us up as leaders. He's, he's thickening our skin so that we might endure suffering with him. That's the call. For him to continually change our hearts and make them more soft, while at the same time thickening our skin so that we can go out into all the world with that same message and offer it to others. One of the recent wins at the lawyer house has been the installation of a fire pit. Clutch. Love me some fire pit. And there is no finer craft than a well-roasted marshmallow. And we should be clear that it's not a burnt marshmallow. Okay? We should also be clear a, a finely crafted and roasted marshmallow does not have any like marshmallowiness at its core. It is warm and gooey all the way through. So how do you do that? You find your hot spot just out of reach of the flames, and then you get patient, right? You just turn that marshmallow again and again, hoping that it doesn't fall off of your roasting stick. Sides turn golden brown. Mm. When done correctly, man, it's completely soft. And the outside just has this nice crispy layer to it. Is your mouth watering? Got to find some more marshmallows tonight. Here's the thing. When we hear God, when we long to, to listen and obey his instruction in our lives, we're going to experience both his anger as we get too close to the fires of sin, and we're also going to experience his affection as he keeps us from being burnt by the flames. Who we are, everything inside of us is softened by God's anger and his affection. And at the same time, God's perfect distribution of anger and affection develops this thick skin that allows us to love and encourage others well as they go through the difficulties of life. Church, that's my hope and my prayer. That's my hope and my prayer for each follower of Jesus at Christ Community Church. That he would make us into a people who have thick skin and soft hearts. And as we close today, I just want to pray to that end with you. When I finish praying, the band's going to be singing. If you have a decision to make today or if you need to pray, if you need to repent, I'd encourage you to just take some time to, to get on your knees and do that or to meet me in the back. Let's pray together. Jesus, give us thick skin and soft hearts. Give us thick skin and soft hearts so that we can be leaders in our community who shine brightly for Jesus. Give us thick skin and soft hearts so that we can minister to the broken and the hurting and remain healthy because we are fueled by Jesus. Give us those things so that we can stand strong with friends and allies of every race while at the same time hurting with them, empathizing with them. Give us thick skins and soft hearts so that we can persevere through the fears that will come as we seek to win souls to Jesus one person at a time. Jesus, give us thick skin and soft hearts so that we can endure through the trials that will come as we seek to advance your kingdom, to plant churches that transform communities, 
that allow us to, to serve one another well. Father, give us thick skin and soft hearts so that we can simultaneously repent of sin in our life while at the same time glorying in, in your blessings. Help us to repent of sins like racism and greed and lust and pride and laziness and more while at the same time confidently seeking to live in such a way that, that Jesus oozes out of us. Jesus, give us thick skin and soft hearts. We pray in your name. Amen.